Hello, everybody, and welcome back to That's a Data Problem. I'm Daniel Newman, your host, Principal Analyst at Futurum Research. And I'm really excited to be joined today by James Hodge, GVP and Chief Strategy Advisor at Splunk. James, how are you today? I'm great, Daniel. I'm really excited about this talk. Today's conversation is going to be called or entitled Accelerating Cloud-Driven Transformation. And so we're going to talk about really what's going on in this space, uh, all things, how clouds, data, observability, and so much more. James, are you ready to get started with me? I sure am. I've been looking forward to this all day, Daniel. Yeah, Bring see, if you can't tell, James is uh, across the pond from me, but... Uh, you know, it's early morning here, um, but you know, it's one of those things like I always try to not date and time a pod or a video, but you know, the world out there, they're always a little bit interested in where are you? What are you doing when these things get recorded? So, you know, I've been up since 5 a.m. doing recordings today. Kind of love the early morning, drinking coffee out of my bat mug that we got to talk about off air. Um, but, uh, you know, there's so much to cover here. You know, real quick, though, before I get in and hit you up on some of these questions, James, start off and talk a little bit about what it means to be a chief strategy, to be the chief strategy advisor globally for Splunk. So it's um, it's a new role that, that we've created this year. And what we've really realized is our customers get a huge amount of value out of Splunk, and they're looking to do more with it. You know, how can they actually move away from just uh, thinking about Splunk in technology terms, but accelerating their business? And so we've created a new group that can help advise our customers, consult with them to really help align to you know, co-creating joint outcomes. And that's really exciting. I've spent my entire career kind of on the tech side of, of things, but actually the business technology, and especially with this conversation cloud, is just so relevant today. Absolutely. I always talk about the intersection of people and technology, and that's really where digital transformation lies. So uh, it's a big job, and it has been actually a big lift for Splunk over the last year because not only are you responsible to overhaul and help overhaul the customers, but you as a company have been busy overhauling your own business model, uh, you know, changing uh, from prem to cloud, from you know, different ways of, of billing and charging clients to a much more uh, well understood uh, model of subscription. And it's been interesting to watch. So it's probably a, a twofold. And then, of course, we've dealt with the pandemic. And, you know, if people have listened, there's a, a whole series of these conversations. And, you know, I got to talk to, you know, your CEO, Doug Merritt. I'm talking to you now. I've talked to uh, advisors across America. Uh, you know, and it's great to get everyone's perspective. So I'm going to dive in here. Um, I want to talk about this whole cloud migration, this acceleration. You know, we I think most of us and most of you that are tuned in know we've 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 realized you can't just lift and shift um, you know, people and processes as you move to the cloud. Um, you know, what's your take on kind of this? What's your take on how organizations, you know, need to adapt to new environments? I think the biggest part about it is a, a cultural change. I think yeah, you're talking about you know, you're the other side of the pond. I think culturally, just look at what we're doing now. Uh, go from pre-pandemic, we probably would have tried to fly together and be able to to meet, you know, sit across the table, which would have been amazing. Um, but I'm at the end of my garden in London. Uh, you're, you're you're sat at home uh, in in kind of your home office, and we're able to go and do that. But Beautiful make- Chicago. 
Be- yeah, beautiful Chicago. Uh, the right time of year, I think, at the moment. It's not too cold. Um, but to do that, that's that's a cultural change that we had to get through to be able to do it. Technology is there to enable us, but it's the cultural change is the most important. And that's exactly the same for the shift to cloud. It is 100% understanding why. Why are you making that shift to cloud? It's very easy to say we're a cloud first company, we're a cloud now company. Uh, I think you just need to look at earnings calls uh, across across the you know the FTSE 500. Um, they'll all be talking about their shift to cloud, but it's really understanding why. And I think when you can get into really being true to yourself and why you're doing that, that's I think the first step. Uh, and, unless you completely disagree with me, Daniel. No, I, th- I think that's a it's, it's a great assessment. I mean, first of all, there were forces of nature that put us here, and I would say. Some companies were already in their transformation, moving to more virtual, more remote, more cloud, more transformation. But we've all heard the, you know, the, the various metaphors and anecdotes about years converting to weeks or months of transformation that were, were forced by the global pandemic. And, and to be totally frank, I mean, there's very little good that comes from a black swan event, like a global pandemic. You have so many things that we can all look back at and wish we did better. But if there's one positive, at least in the enterprise space, it was that companies that had been kind of sitting on the sidelines, that had been waiting out the investments, that have been kind of saying, we think this too, this cloud, this data thing, this will pass. We will, it won't pass. It didn't pass. And those companies were really forced to move very quickly um, and it wasn't as, as you, James, what I love about what you said is it wasn't so much about moving quickly to buy technology. Most of these companies had technology. It was moving quickly to actually adopt it and adapt to it and, and implement it and use it at scale and say, we've got all these investments. We can't just kind of use it. In video conferencing, you mentioned such a good example because like every company had some platform for virtual meetings. That wasn't new. But what was the use rate? I mean, we were flying all over the globe to have coffee. And by the way, I miss that now. But you probably realized by the end of the pandemic, you could have had a lot of those meetings like this and been very productive throughout your days. I completely agree. And I think it's just changed our approach. You know, when I think about why are you doing something, I think when we, we think about the shift to cloud, um, is it, is what am I redoing? Is it, I think McKinsey were describing this recently, there's a, a trillion dollars of opportunity in cloud. And they broke it down as two buckets, uh, rejuvenate, which they said was around $430 billion, or innovate, which was a $770 billion opportunity. And it's the innovate side that I think is the most exciting uh, around cloud. I'm not having to wait for equipment. You know, the, the classic things we've all heard before, and you know, to be racked and stacked and get on with something. And it also allows me to, maybe I'd change the way I describe it. The ability of cloud has meant I've been able to unlock my imagination as I think about my customer and work backwards from that. I can actually unlock my customer, my imagination and the technology is going to allow me to go and achieve that. And is going to allow me to do that at speed with agility to be able to innovate faster, to go and get the right experience uh, for my end customers rather than before that was a big uplift and it was difficult. You know, I may, when I failed, I failed hard. Um, especially in a data center world, whereas cloud, I can fail fast and adapt and pivot. I think it's that you know, innovation side that has given us the biggest opening on why are we going to do this lift and shift to cloud? Right, but you got to do it in a way that 
that works. And like you said, you can't just lift and shift processes. That's probably one of the most important and, 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 and things that you cannot under, um, you know, you, you, you have to remind people you don't take a process and digitalize it or move it from prem to cloud and just try to have it replicate identically. These are opportunities to completely reevaluate your entire way of doing business. And, you know, so often I think we, a lot of us probably learned it and I don't know if you have these experiences, but I've seen so many ERP or CRM implementations where a company basically says, how did we do it before this digital or this cloud capability? And then they basically want to lift it over to the cloud and do it the exact same way, just support it using the support of, you know, the cloud scale. And so when you add things like microservices and Kubernetes and, and the flexibility of hybrid and multi, you, you add a whole new, like you said, use your imagination, you know, innovation. What could it be? How could this process be improved or refined? What data could we incorporate that we haven't been able to incorporate? So those are some, some kind of things to think about. I want to keep moving along, though. And this basically maybe actually gives you a chance to respond to what I just said, you know, the cohesive management strategy of moving to cloud. You know, we're seeing the lift to public and then we're seeing basically more of an emphasis on lift to hybrid now. Uh, and now even multi. So there's all this kind of path goes from prem to public to my hybrid to multi. What are some of the big issues that you're seeing in terms of actually getting these deployed successfully? I think the, the biggest is the realization that you know, applications almost are your business now. Uh, I think we've seen almost across industry, everyone moving to a digitized way of working. Uh, just look at the US Census Bureau, uh, the uh, Splunk Cloud customer. Um, they've just run the first digital census. You know, that is a huge shift uh, and cultural shift they've had. So you've got a lot of historic systems. Um, you've got a lot of complexity and uncertainty. Even if you're a cloud-first, digitally native business, technology moves so fast that sometime in the future, you're going to meet some new tech and new ways of working that is complex. So you've almost got to embrace that you're going to enter complexity. And so the biggest challenge then becomes if the apps are your business, is making sure you have complete um, overview of what is happening. And, and this is where really that, that term observability comes in. You want to be able to observe your entire digital estate so you can make the right um, decision or the best decision with the right context and, and data at that moment in time and not having to delay. Because time is kind of, and delay is the enemy of innovation. Yeah, absolutely. And I love the, uh, you know, in, in background, when we were talking about some of the pitfalls, you mentioned that there are essentially are six, you know, you've got runway costs, you've got trading innovation for stability, you've got creating a cloud with strategy without associated security strategy, whole nother big topic. You got new tools without a cohesive approach, spreading yourself, your organization too thin and leaving value in your data. The six pitfalls uh, kind of as background that, uh, you know, you shared, uh, you know, uh, and, I, and I like that. I like that whole thinking, um, you know, so moving forward, what are the capabilities and strategies needed then to assure that you're getting the desired business outcomes from the investments being made in cloud? So I'm going to start with a people one first. Uh, I think we were talking earlier, maybe off camera, about the intersection of people and technology. I think when we talk about innovation, we want to be 
and serve our customers in the best way possible. Um, that relies on frontline staff. Um, a chief executive can stand up and set company direction, but the people that actually enact that transformation are the individuals on the front line. And I come from uh, an assertion that there are two reasons you don't make a decision. One is you don't have the authority to make it. And the second is you don't have the right data and context to make that decision, so you escalate it. And, and that, when we're talking about making cloud environments successful, is the most important. When you recognize that, how do you push down authority further down the organization? You give people more data and context. And that's where the technical side of observability, being able to bring logs, traces, and metrics, essentially all of your digital estate into one place to give frontline staff that the right data and context to make those decisions is so important. Because um, you, you know, apps your business takes them like Slack. Um, they're a hugely growing uh, organization at the moment. And they've, uh, with their, you know, I think it's, if I kind of remember rightly, it's something like 12 million uh, active daily users. It's like just shy of a million organizations using uh, Slack. If I'm the person in charge of making sure Slack is secure, not necessarily the CISO, the person on shift that day, I'm going to want to have as much data and context as possible so I can then go and make that decision on what do I do when I see an event. Uh, and that's why when we're talking about your six principles, cloud, uh, Slack actually take a zero trust approach uh, when they think about cloud estates, but that only works with access to the right information. Yeah, having all the data at your disposal, and then of course, layering in the right technology to enable you. Of course, you could be sitting there, you could have a whole team and a whole army of people sitting there. There's still too many, too much volume of data right now. And that's where systems come into place. That's where IT ops and SecOps and observability become the key is, you know, how do you parse through it all? All the data, all the data states, the, you know, the system data, of course, external data, how does a threat get observed early? What type of automation can be implemented to eradicate a threat early or to notify the right person that's most capable and competent to deal with that? Um, so those are all big things. You know, I'm hearing too, and, and by the way, I'm glad you mentioned security because you know I often feel like as we talk about transformation or cloud acceleration, especially this topic for this show, that security sometimes gets put on the back burner. It historically has. Now, over the last year with some big events in security, I think a little more attention has been brought to it, but yeah. still, you know, I always look back and I remember, you know, for years there's been boardroom level discussion, discussions, James, where companies are basically weighing in the, the, the cost of appropriately de-risking versus what the assumed cost of a breach might be and making decisions on technology investments based upon the fact that if it was less expensive to potentially let the intrusion or some type of breach happen than it was to properly secure it, people were not taking the appropriate precautions. I think we've learned because there's a lot of intangible costs to a business that maybe can't be determined. Like, you know, you may, there may, there may be a certain amount of costs that you can attribute to denial of service or slow, you know, slow fulfillment or responsiveness that could happen. But what about the fact that people just don't want to work with companies that they feel that their data is not safe? And so th those are kind of the evolutions. Um, but I'm hearing about, you know, this convergence. It's security, it's IT, and DevOps. And this is really where you guys, as Splunk, live a lot of, of your time. Um, and these are being driven even faster 
by you know this cloud transformation. Talk about what you're seeing uh, in terms of these converging forces. Well, I think you are 100% right on zoning in on that point of trust. And I think there are the two types of companies. Uh, the ones that will survive are ones that will put you know, trust of data and trust by the customers as one of their top priorities. And then they're the rest. And I think we'll see that play out over the coming years as digital becomes more and more uh, popular. To do that, you've got to then realize that IT operations, developer operations, security operations are all just functions of business operations. They are all trying to get to the same goal. Um, think of something like a patch level. I, I had a, a computer I hadn't used um, since pre-pandemic. I turned it on the other day as a Splunk computer, and up pops you know a myriad of alerts telling me that I had to update things. You know, I had to apply patches. What's a patch level? Is that an IT problem? Is that a security problem? Or is that a manifestation of a business problem? And so the the way we then think about that Splunk by thinking data first and trust first is in providing a data platform that I can then put an IT operations lens on, an observability lens, a security lens, I can start to use data as a common language. So when an alert pops up and I want to dive into that data, I can actually use that as a common ground to get my IT team and my security team who are working more and more together to understand why they're potentially seeing something different, make a decision, hopefully automate that process if it's well understood, and then move on. And I think that is the key, you know, not moving with siloed kind of data across IT, observability and security. It's starting to bring that together so you can actually build trust. So let's build on that. Observability is a word we're hearing a lot more. I would argue a few years ago, it wasn't spoken about nearly as much. Now we're seeing a plethora of players. Uh, and, uh, and of course, Splunk Cloud uh, has made a big pivot. Uh, I mean, last year's comp, it was evident that observability is going to be a bigger and bigger part. What's the role that observability is playing in cloud? Why is it gaining so much popularity? I think with cloud, um, one of the beauties of cloud, I think maybe back when you and I first entered the IT uh, era, it wasn't quite as complex as now. I had a maybe a database server, a middleware, if that, and a, and a HTTP, you know, like a Tomcat or something, serving up my e-commerce store. And that was it. Now, we have an amazing amount of different services that we can start to tie together. I have um, short-lived serverless uh, processes. I may be running things on Kubernetes. I, my choice is huge, which is liberating, but scary at the same time. And so what we're really seeing, we really get into the kind of what's behind the observability movement. Mm -hmm. It is the desire to be able to understand and get inside of that. As I get sprawl of the amount of services that run, I want to be able to understand that. And that's where I can use things like logs to look at you know, what happened. Um, metrics as an early warning system and a trace being able to really get into understanding how things work end to end to get to the real crux of that problem. And I can combine those three things in a way that a user can access it. I have the ability for someone to make a decision there and then. And that is incredibly important. It's all about decision-making and turning that kind of data into action. It's kind of like how, you know, we're taking all of our systems on, from an infrastructure standpoint with hybrid observability is a little bit like that for data. It's taking all these systems, making all the data and unlocking it for, for being actionable in a 
ideally in the fewest possible number of applications, right? I mean, you yeah. know, and, and, and that's the simplification you mentioned, you know, I, I, when you're saying that, I'm thinking back to myself, the early era of like an AWS when it was literally just storage. Like people don't realize now because they release like a hundred new uh, services every quarter, but there was a time when it was literally just service or just storage. That was it, you know, and I mean, I and it changes the way that you can you can think about things and actually keeping up with it, I think, is one of the hardest bits that, that always makes me feel like half my job is just trying to keep up with tech. But if I kind of give an example, so uh, Rappi, uh, they describe themselves as the everything store of Latin America. So they deliver groceries, food, alcohol, you know, almost everything you, you can think of um, with a 30 minute guarantee on delivery times. So if we think about an IT error and the amount of times that someone said, I can fix IT errors within 30 minutes, you would probably start to roll your eyes. It just doesn't happen that often. You know, 30-minute guarantee and an IT error that's going to get fixed in that. We then kind of add in, I've got, I think, since 2015, scaled huge, 30 million users, growing 20% month on month. But they operate uh, across 6,000 hosts in Latin America, nine countries, 200 cities, and COVID has really massively accelerated that. They've got 400 engineers. They run Kubernetes. They end up with, um, I think it's something like 6,000 hosts. Oh, yeah, I mentioned the, mentioned the hosts. But then they've got, those hosts are running 15 to 20,000 containers. Now I think about the customer. I'm wanting to put out that guarantee of being able to deliver your food in 30 minutes. I'm now the person on the front line that I'm empowering at Rappi to make sure that can happen and provide the IT infrastructure to do that. That's what observability is about. It's giving that person the tools to do an amazing job when they turn up to work that day because they can pinpoint that and they're finding, you know, what was taking one day of development and four days of code release and testing. They're just shortening that cycle down to, you know, less than a day. And that's the important part. It's about people. And that's why I love the intersection of people and technology. It's allowing people to make a decision so they can have a great day at work and not have to escalate or, or delay decision-making. Yeah, and it's all about efficiency too. We're in an extraordinarily impatient society now. We want everything on demand, yeah. uh, you know, whether it's our content or movies or music or email, you know, you want to buy something, I want it today. You know, it's uh, delivery this week, delivery next day, delivery today, delivery within an hour. You know, you're going to start ordering and stuff's going to start falling out of the ceiling. You're going to have predisposal because it's going to know what you want. It's going to be waiting up there and then the ceiling's going to open up and the stuff's going to fall out. I mean, I'm, you know, it's hyperbole, but I'm, you know, we're having a little fun here. It's um, not far you know, away. We, we just, you mentioned that. Um, yeah, Bobby's a drone, yeah. by the way. It's not the ceiling, it's the drone. It's going to bring it to you, right? <laughs> But you've got young children, uh, so, so do I. Um, they went throughout this year and they've learned how to do virtual learning. You know, they've got the headphones, the, the computer in front of them. Apparently, I don't do uh, video calling right because I don't have stickers on my headphones. But if you look at their attitudes to tech and how quickly that they will reject a poor experience. You know, we remember the days of like a web page with a 404 and you go, eh, never mind, and you'll carry on plugging away at it. That's not the case anymore. If that doesn't service, I go to uh, arrive at an airport and one of the uh, hail you know, taxi ride services doesn't work on my phone, I open the next one. 
Mm. You know, and that's the consumer we are starting to work with. So when we think customer back and how do I provide that experience, that's why this becomes so important. Absolutely. So let's uh, kind of wrap up with a little lightning round. You know, uh, we're coming to the end of our time here, James. It's been a lot of fun talking to you. Um, stickers on my headphones. Okay. Noted. Um, what do you do with like the AirPods if they're really small? Little stickers? Oh, they're not cool enough. They've got to be over ear. Full, oh, full over ear. But they do a teenager because I have teenagers too and they don't do over ear. They only do in ear. Really small. I've and, not got that yet. Okay. I'm Because I've got some cool over ears. My older kids won't wear them. All right. So let's do a kind of a quick lightning round about, you know, advice. You know, you're an advisor. That's yeah. your title. You lead the global advisory. Um, you know, for companies getting started, what are a couple of, of, of key pieces of advice? And then for companies that are maybe a little further along or some of these cloud native companies, what are a couple of pieces of advice for them to move their journey to the next level? I think that the first one is really be able to articulate the why. What are the business objectives you're trying to do? And then be able to break that down in what is important to you. Is it speed to market? Is it cost control? Because those two things will fight against each other at times. And how do I want to allow people and empower people to make decisions? I think when, especially for the first group, that allows you to then go and start to make the right tech, tech choices to go and support that decision-making. Exactly the same with the lift and shift side. Very clear, very good and um, clear goals. And then going back to those six kind of pitfalls we're thinking about, um, start a pre-mortem. I'm going to lift and shift something. Why could this fail? And in a year's, you know, in a year's time, it fails. Why could that be? And that's where those six pitfalls, the runaway cost, um, you know, the trading innovation for stability, creating a, a cloud strategy without the security strategy to go with it. Um, you don't have a cohesive approach with your tooling. Spreading yourself too thin. You might just not have the capacity to move everything. And then finally is not having a data strategy to support that cloud strategy. Data is the key to decision making. And that allows you to empower your people to make uh, happy customers. So with the bigger companies, then I imagine you have a few a few pointers to them. Um, I have to imagine it's more about the agility and just, uh, you know, the, I guess, endless state. You know, we like the word stateless in tech um, of digital is that wherever you are today, it's not over. Correct. Uh, and it never will be. Just think of the, the technology innovation that is, has happened over the last few years. As we move into a cloud environment, one of the, especially the larger your organization is, is how are you going to bring trust between suppliers? You're relying more on APIs nowadays. You're relying more on integration, working with multiple vendors to go and bring out this new service. And it is looking at a common way of sharing trust between just your vendor side, um, as well as trust with your customers. So we're never going to stop on this journey. And it's a continual reassessment of where you are. Yeah, that's probably the biggest risk I've seen in a lot of companies is the business model works today. Why should we change it? And that is a little bit like the, the technology model, especially considering the interdependence of the two. It works today. We don't want to continue to update and change, but you have to. And so and maybe this leads to my final question here, James. Um, you know, in your role as an advisor, are you noticing that there are conversations about the cloud that leaders maybe should be having, but are not? Yeah, I think it is 
acknowledgement that I think it's your point that it's never ending. I think one of the things that we have is it's a fallacy that all companies will become 100% uh, cloud um, overnight. They may eventually get there because it may make business sense for them. But I think the hybrid world is really important. And I think the hybrid multi-cloud vendor world is incredibly true. I think even if you went to one of the cloud service providers, you're going to end up with running your own tech inside of that. You're going to be running some of their services as IaaS, as PaaS, as SaaS, and you're still going to need to integrate a holistic data view together to allow you to make decisions. And I think it's the flexibility to be agnostic to what you're running on is the really important part. So I can continue evolving that business. And you mentioned at the beginning about Splunk, we've done the same. You know, we listened to our customers and where they were moving their workloads. And so that's when we started our, sh- our, our shift to Splunk uh, Cloud and our portfolios, like Observability Cloud we launched. You know, it's going to be continually evolving. Absolutely. It's a great way to wrap it up, James. Uh, James Hodge, GVP and Chief Strategy Advisor globally for Splunk. Thanks for spending some time with me today here on That's a Data Problem. It's been fun talking about accelerating the cloud and accelerating how quickly cloud can drive your business's transformation.